Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. If you want to hear the show, you can find it on Family Life Radio. If you want to find a station near you, you can go to myflr.org or stream it online. Hey, maybe you're feeling stressed, exhausted, and burned out. Well, we have some help for you. It's coming from Crystal Payne. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She is known as the money-saving mom. That sounds awesome. I want to find out about that. Uh, this is why she knows a little bit about this topic. She is the wife and then mother of six kids. Woo. Wow. Great, Scott. <laughs> and uh, she has written The Time-Saving Mom, How to Juggle a Lot, Enjoy Your Life, and Accomplish What Matters Most. Crystal, thanks for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, you're welcome. So, six children. Great, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can see why you needed to figure this out. Where did this book come from? You know, this book was really something that my publisher begged for. Um, I feel like my life is so simple as in the principles that I follow, the systems and rhythms and routines. And I actually told my publisher for a while, I was like, you guys, it's so simple. Like nobody's going to want to read a book on just all this simple stuff. And they were like, that's the point. And recognizing that simplicity is a superpower. And so like you said, with six kids, they're 18 down to my youngest is turning one tomorrow. So we just graduated our senior and we have a one-year-old. So we're doing ACTs, ABCs, college prep, nursing, all the stuff all at once. Life is never dull. We actually have 10 years of secondary infertility. We have an 18-year-old, an almost 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and then we have a three-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and a a one-year-old. So um, it's just life is life is Every day is an adventure. And um, so, yes, like you said, I had to learn some different things, but keeping it very simple and learning that you can juggle a lot and enjoy your life and accomplish what matters most. That's amazing. Just to just to think that you're awake right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Talking right. to us, being coherent. Um, I've raised two of my own, now have six grandchildren, and I stayed with my grandchildren for a week recently to give the parents a break and I am not over it yet. (laughs) So I need to eat up everything you've got here in this book. And so I think that finding time to invest in the important things in life is what the challenge is for most of us. And what led you to create, I know you've got a four-step process, but I really want to hear your life story. When did you recognize that you would even need a four-step process? You know, I think from the beginning of my journey, as I write in the book, um, when I was a young girl, I just had this passion for using time well. And I actually opened up the book talking about when I was 18 years old, graduating from high school. Um, I gave a speech at my graduation, not because I was the valedictorian, but because I was homeschooled. So you get to give a speech when you're homeschooled. homeschooled (laughs) (laughs) So my speech was time is short. Like that was what I wanted to impart to everyone who came. And so I've really had this passion for a long time to really want to use my life well. And and my heart is really to think of what's going to matter in 25 years from now. What's going to matter at the end of my life? And I want to wrap my time and my life and my energy around that. But honestly, our journey has not gone at all like we expected. Um, we really wanted to have a large family. And then I talked about how we had secondary infertility. So we had three kids. And then um, I actually started 
started my blog when our second daughter was born. And that was moneysavingmom.com. My husband was going through a season where he was just struggling with work and um, just we were having a hard time kind of figuring out what was the future going to look like for him and we were struggling financially. And so started this blog called moneysavingmom.com because we were living on a beans and rice budget, staying out of debt and just sharing how we were doing it. And that blog actually took off. Um, within a year, we were making a full-time income off of that blog. Blog. Oh, wow. And um, so it was just kind of this crazy set of circumstances where my husband had gone to law school. He was going to become this attorney. We pictured we'd have this large family. And um, pretty soon here, he actually, 2014, sh- shut down his law firm and came to be staying at home. And we have these three kids and are doing this online thing that we never would have dreamed. And, you know, just how God kind of writes the story that you could never write yourself. And through that, then we um, ended up becoming foster parents. And um, so you were talking about how, you know, looking at my life and how it can feel like, wow, how are you doing this? Well, honestly, um, when in 2020, um, when we started fostering our first little boy that we said yes to, we fostered him from the NICU. Um, we actually around the same time found out that I was also expecting, which is crazy. Oh, wow. so we ended up having two newborns in 2020. Um, they were actually just um, a few weeks apart. And um, so I think that kind of really stretched my muscles of recognizing, oh, I have more capacity than I realized that I do. And then um, Um, That little boy reunified with his mom after eight and a half months. And then three months later, we said yes to David, who we fostered for 22 months. And he has um, a lot of special needs. He has um, Down syndrome and a cleft lip and palate and a feeding tube and a lot of medical complexities. He had a surgery within three and a half weeks of coming to us. And so, again, just got stretched far beyond what I could have dreamed or imagined. And we said yes to adopting him. And then four weeks later, found out that I was expecting again. It's just crazy. (laughs) And now the little boy that we fostered for eight and a half months, um, we're super involved in his life as well. And we babysit him. We're actually his, um, his childcare for his mom right now. And so we have him a lot, um, a lot of weeks, 30 to 40 hours as well. And so we have four kids that are three and under. Um, and so it's just crazy how, you know, for years we were just praying and, and hoping and dreaming of the future and hoping that God was going to give us more kids. And then he gave us four and two and a half years, you know? That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. No kidding. Yeah. Man, well done. I'm tired just listening no, to that. Me too. I'm exhausted. Wow. <laughs> so this, you know, pray, prioritize, plan and prep, as we've already talked about, like you are involved in so much. You wear so many different hats, play so many different roles, a business owner, podcaster, author, wife, mom, how does that plan, like how, how do you get through your days with that plan? How does that help you out? So really the four-step system for me, keeping it very simple, but starting out with prayer, I know that I cannot do this life well on my own. And I am called right now to juggle a lot. And so how can I do that? Well, it's only by the grace of God. Allie Worthington, she has a book called Standing Strong, and she talks about how we are supercharged as superhumans with a supernatural power inside of us 
and that is the Holy Spirit. And so in the book, I really talk about starting out my day from that posture of prayer, of recognizing that all I have and all I am is God's. And I want to live out of that understanding. And I find that when I am feeling stressed or anxious, it's usually because I'm trying to control a part of my life instead of releasing it to the Lord. And so really opening up my hands and every day just saying, God, go before me, give me what I need. If I was up multiple times in the night, which honestly, right now that's very common, um, especially because our two and a half year old, he has sleep apnea and just a lot Mm. of things. And so we're working through that. Um, just opening up my hands and saying, God, I didn't get what I would consider enough sleep last night. So multiply my sleep and I'm going to trust you that you gave me what I needed to do what you called me to today. And, and so asking him to multiply my time, asking him to multiply my sleep, asking him to multiply my energy. And he is so, so faithful. But oftentimes I feel like that we're just over here trying to white knuckle our way through life in our own strength. And that's why we're feeling so stressed and so anxious. And so starting from that foundation of prayer and that posture of prayer, I also talk in the book about flare prayers throughout the day, shooting up these flare prayers when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when life, you know, I just don't know what to do, or I need to have a conversation with a teenager and I'm not really sure how to approach it. Shooting up that flare prayer and asking God to give me what I need. And he is just so, so faithful. Now you said the next thing is prioritize. Yes. So I have what I call a six times two priority system. So I have six priority areas that I wrap my time and my life and my energy around. And these are really things that it's like, this is what's going to matter in 25 years from now. But if I were to try to focus and put intentional time into each of those areas every day, I would end up very stressed Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed. And so I just focus on two per day. And then I rotate the areas that I focus on so that over the course of the week, I have focused in each area, hopefully at least twice. And so spending that intentional time in each area, two times a week, six times two priority system. This really allows me to focus in on those areas, not feel like anywhere that I am, I need to be five other places. And also then allows me to just have more breathing room in my life and really more intention in my day. Love that planning. Talk about that part of it. So in the book, I talk about my planning system, which I use a hybrid planning system. And I think you know everybody needs to figure out what works for them. So I give a lot of different ideas of ways to set up a system that would work for you. But for me, I'm a big fan of budgeting because of moneysavingmom.com. Um, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of budgeting. I've taught budgeting for years. But I think oftentimes we can look at budgeting as this scary thing or the stifling thing. And for me, budgeting is actually the opposite of stifling because when I budget for a specific area, like here's my grocery budget. When I go to the store and I spend the money out of my grocery budget, I don't have to worry. Am I going to be able to afford, afford the electric bill? Am I going to be able to pay for the kids' activities? Because that is all budgeted. Same is true with our time. If we budget our time, we don't have to worry so much. Are we going to have enough time to do the things that we need to do? If we pre-decided our priorities and then we budget our time accordingly, we're going to feel like we have more time 
And we're also going to be able to use it a lot more intentionally. And so I use Google Calendar to brain dump everything that comes into my head, like any phone call I need to make, anyone that I need to contact, any project that I'm working on, anything I need to remember. It all goes into Google Calendar as an all-day task. And then I also use a handwritten time block to-do list. So every night before I go to bed, I sit down, I look at my Google Calendar, I see what's on there for the next day, and then I write a handwritten to-do list with time blocks. But I add in a lot of wiggle room because there are a lot of interruptions in my life, and I also am usually adding two to four hours of just free time, that there's nothing planned. So then when interruptions happen, I don't have to feel like, oh man, you're totally wrecking my plan, but it's like, I plan for this. And so I can freely, in a very non-frustrating way, just step into that interruption and see it as, you know, a divine appointment. And so for me, the time block to-do list is like my brain on paper. It's my budget for my time. And it helps me to be able to focus and make sure that I'm getting the most important things done. And also then having time for fun because I budget in time for fun, just like with our money budget, we budget in for fun money, budget in time in our schedule as well for fun. I love looking at your schedule like a budget. That's yeah, because that makes a lot of sense. When you run out of money, you're done. And if you run out of time, <laughs> you can't get it done. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's smart. I like that. Trouble with me is I see it all as a big suggestion. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you can try for this. You can try but, get this done. That's, yes, yeah. I can tell that the intentionality is the important like key in that actually working. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things for me, I used to, I'm very, um, optimistic person, which is a wonderful thing. And also can be a really bad thing because you just assume that, oh, absolutely. I could get 37 hours worth of work in a 24 hour day. And so for me, I would write these huge long to-do list with this optimism of like, I'm going to be able to get it all done somehow today. Like there will be absolutely zero interruptions and I'm going to have this, energy like nothing else and my time is just going to be multiplied. And so for me, having that budget for my time of, you know, looking at my day as I only have 24 hours and being realistic about that and writing it out with time blocks has been so helpful for me because I'll realize, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to all those other things. Mm. I'm going to have to prioritize and be careful here. And then it allows me to go to bed at night knowing tomorrow is doable because I plan the day and there's time and breathing room, and I'm going to be able to get those important priorities done and also have time for fun. You know, some of us, and one of them might be me, are a little too optimistic as how long it takes for you to get ready for something. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're late. So, Uh, although I'm always just kind of guilty of being a few minutes late. I'm not too, you know, flagrant on that. Um, You're fashionably late. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I know that you've (laughs) talked about Roger's ability in this area as well, Sally. Well, okay. That's my husband. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very optimistic about his timing. Yes. Do what a friend of mine calls latte late. Because you walk in with a coffee. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Yes. I'll have to pick that up. (laughs) Crystal, I'm impressed. You just talked about this. You're fostering uh, a child with special needs. My wife and I have a daughter diagnosed with multiple special needs. And to, on your own, you know, decide to do something like this uh, is impressive to me because just this alone, you know, the 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 uh, the divorce rate for special needs parents is in the 85 percentile or higher. So I'm just curious about this. This is fascinating. How did David come into your life? 
Mm. Well, so we had, after we, um, are the little boy that we were fostering, he reunified. We realized that with having our own, um, young daughter, we kind of had said we will only foster babies. We just felt mm. like that that was the the age range that we could do that would work for our family at that time. And so we had told our, our worker that that was, um, what we were looking for. And so a number of, like, like I said, three months went by and then just all of a sudden out of the blue, one day we get this text and she said, um, we have a little baby, he's coming into custody. He's, um, almost eight months old and he has down syndrome and a cleft lip. And I didn't know anything about really down syndrome or cleft lip come to find out he had a severe cleft palate too. They didn't know that. And there were a lot of other things that they didn't know that we found out. Um, but we just, my husband and I just felt very strongly that we were supposed to say yes. It was just kind of one of those times where, you know, you seek the Lord and this feels so far outside of what you know that you are capable of. And yet you just feel so strongly that you're supposed to say yes. And it was really scary. Um, he came to us in the middle of the night, my husband was actually out of town um, on a high school trip with our two oldest girls. And so I was there and um, I remember him, my, the caseworker walked in the door and she's holding him in his little carrier. And I was thinking, wait, hold up. He's supposed to be eight months old and he's way tinier. Well, come to find out he'd been born. He was born at 27 weeks and he, um, was very malnourished. We didn't know that. And so he was tiny because of being a preemie, but then also very tiny because of being malnourished. And so he, um, could barely hold his head up. He was in zero to three month clothes. And, um, it was really scary because he was just limp. Like that night when I got him out of the carrier, he never, he was just not responding and just very limp. Um, I didn't know anything about malnutrition. Um, I found out later that he should have been hospitalized, but that there were some things that were missed in the process. Um, and so it was, I would say that the first month there were just so many days that I was just way in over my head, all these specialists, all these new words that I never heard of and all these decisions that we needed to make right away. Um, but God was just so faithful again and again and again and again. He just was so faithful and he gave us exactly what we needed when we needed it. And I just learned that I can't trust God for the future. I need to trust him for the day. He's not going to give me grace for the future he's not going to give me grace for two weeks from now, two years from now, he's going to give me grace for today. And so all I need to do is trust God for right now, right here and now. And, um, we actually were not planning to adopt him. Um, there was another family that had planned to adopt him. And then six months of, after we had been caring for him and fostering him, this other family just really had some reservations and hesitations. And, um, so we were left with, well, God, what are you calling us to do? And at that point, we just felt really strongly. He was calling us to say yes to adopting, um, which was a scary thing as well, because there are just so many unknowns for the future. But there was just that 150% piece and we were all on board. And that was the thing that we said, everyone has to be on board because this is going to affect all of our lives for the rest of our life. Um, but I can just tell you that by the time we got to his adoption, which was um, 22 months after we started fostering him, like we could not imagine life without him. And he is the biggest gift to our home. He has slowed us down in the most beautiful of ways. He has taught us to celebrate and savor life like we've never known before. The little tiny things that we would have just probably not even noticed before 
all of it is worth celebrating. And he's also just really reframed our perspective. I feel like we live in a culture that has such a trajectory of like walking and talking and here's what success looks like. And just, he's just taught us that success can look very different and just to really just be in the moment and be present. And so he's just changed our life in the most profound of ways. And we are just so grateful for him. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Just amazing because you could have gone into the overwhelming so, so easily. Mm -hmm. And yet you've got your system and uh, making it work for the entire family. So, yeah. And Mike, you know about that. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like if you're, uh, it, you, yeah, I, I would agree with your assessment of what success is because success can be my wife or my uh, my daughter's nonverbal. And one day we heard her say a word and it was like, okay, we're celebrating, you know, <laughs> I mean, awesome. some people, you know, you celebrate your, your kids, you know, walking and things like that. And uh, that's, that was our main milestone right there. So absolutely. Yeah. We celebrated the day that he went, he crawled into the bathroom. Well, crawling was a huge thing. We never knew he was going to do that. But he crawled into the bathroom and he pulled on the toilet paper and he got it down and he ripped it up. And I walked in the bathroom and there's little pieces of toilet paper. I was so excited. And it it just has changed my perspective of what a mess is because I think so often parents get so frustrated with a child, a toddler making these messes. And we celebrate every mess he makes because that is people. ET and OT skills that we have worked so hard for. And so it just really helped me to have this reframing and this shifting of my perspective and just to really celebrate my little kids and, you know, like, wow, you were just being curious, weren't you? You know, and, and so often I think we can, we could either see frustration or we could see something to celebrate. And so he's really taught me that. Amen. That's good. Well, it's a perfect segue into talking about your children and how, they have adapted or adopted your system because from my unorganized point of view, um, I think I would start out strong and then see a squirrel and it would all just go poof. So um, it seems kind of overwhelming to implement for me. So talk me through, tell us a story about how you got beyond overwhelming into initiating and folding the kids into your plan. Well, I think one of the things I just want to say to you is that I feel like a lot of times people think that in order to use your time wisely, you need to be a very organized, systemized person. And I don't think that is the case at all. I think that it's about being intentional with your time. And so for some people, they are going to have what might look like a very chaotic life to some, but they're going to be caring so much about people and they're going to be investing in people. And honestly, that's what we want to wrap our time and our life and our energy around. And so I am more of an organized person just because of how my brain operates, but there have been, there's been a lot of chaos in our home in the last four years. And I've had to learn to not see that as something that is a bad thing, but something that is actually a good thing because it is t- 
testament to all the life that is being lived here. And for us to just be opening up our doors, we have so many people into our home and I just love that. And so to just welcome them in to where we are. Now, the systems do help, but I never want a system to be something that is stifling. And so figuring out, like I talk about in the book, I think it's really important to kind of figure out your personality type. And so maybe a time budget would just be terribly restrictive to you, but maybe you could do what about morning and afternoon and evening? And you could say, okay, in the morning during this large time block, I'm going to accomplish these three things in the afternoon, these three things in the evening, these three things. And so just having some sort of kind of guidelines and guardrails for your day is something that I feel like is going to help you to be a lot more intentional. And so with our kids, you know, I, they all have very different personalities, especially having three teenagers. And I don't ever want to try to kind of push them into a system that is mine or that works for me. But one thing that's been just really helpful, especially as if they feel overwhelmed with their life. So, you know, with having, we had a senior and now our um, 16 year old, she is also going to be a senior because she tested up. And so, you know, they're in this season where there's a lot that is being thrown at them. And some days they'll come home and they'll just be like, mom, I'm so overwhelmed. And so just starting with, we stop and we acknowledge that you're overwhelmed. Like, I think that's an important first step. Just acknowledge, like, what are you feeling? But then the next step, then I'll say, okay, tell me what is overwhelming you. And so to just have them brain dump everything out that is overwhelming to them. And then, okay, let's look at that list. What do you need to do right now? And so really thinking about, you know, what's wrong and what can I do about it? I think those are questions that are really kind of help my kids to give them the tools to be able to, when they feel overwhelmed with life, some just practical things that they can do. So what's wrong? What can I do about it? And what do I need to do next? And, and so just focusing on those and breaking it down into bite-sized baby steps, that's really helpful. And I think that can also be helpful no matter if you're an adult or a teenager. Um, I do this in my life sometimes when I'm just feeling overwhelmed to just kind of brain dump all the things and then what can I do about it? what do I need to do next? These two questions that you ask yourself, you know, how can I make this easier and what can I do to simplify this? Can you share a story of how maybe like this has really helped you in daily life as something specific where you were able to apply those and it made things smoother for you? Yeah. So there are a lot of things that I do to just keep life really, really simple. Um, and for these won't work necessarily for everyone, but for instance, I only wash my hair once a week. And that is something that then the other six days of the week, I can maybe spend one or two minutes on my hair. And so it saves me so much time. I wear kind of a uniform where it's just kind of the same type of outfit pretty much every single day. Makes it super simple. And I only have maybe around seven to nine outfits at any given time. And so it just keeps life super, super simple. I oftentimes will eat the same food over and over again. I use the same kind of makeup and I used to do the same routine. And so just having these areas in my life where I just have simplified because to me, that is not something that I want to invest a lot of time in, but it's something that needs to be done or that I want to do. Um, That has helped so much. And so I just challenge people, you know, think of areas in your life where it's something that, you know, you need to get up and get dressed every day, or you need to have your hair or your makeup or, you know, your clothes look presentable. So how can you eliminate the decision fatigue, make it easier so that it just kind of happens on autopilot without you thinking so that you can put your time and your energy and your thinking into other more important things. Wow. A uniform and washing your hair once a week. 
That's I like it. those are lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. to even think that way, that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Will help with my tiny closet too. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, that that's the answer. <laughs> well, it's well, like when you have less, like the fewer decisions yeah. you have to make, the more t- space that you have in your head. It's the same thing. Like why totally. I use Google Calendar to kind of brain dump all of the things, so that the less that I have in my head, the less that I feel burdened by. So if I can brain dump that somewhere else. Same thing, the less that I have in my home, you know? So one of my girls, they were, they went to babysat for someone recently and they were like, they have so many toys. It's so hard to pick up. And, and we just hardly have any toys because I found that kids don't really, they like to play with things other than toys. They kind of like get into the kitchen cupboards and play with the Tupperware. And, and so <laughs> just simplifying by fewer things means fewer time spent really picking it up, organizing it, keeping up with it. And so I did the same thing for my little kids' clothes. They only have usually seven outfits or so. And it just makes it so simple because you just wash and rewear. Well, you know, I've noticed that kids like specific toys and disregard the rest of the stuff they got for their birthday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's that too. True. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, a lot of our lives get really full and... um, we find it difficult to prioritize in the moment. Do you have an antidote for distraction and overloading the day? I just have to say, I love that you said our lives get full because so many times people use the word busy and I actually don't use the word busy because I feel like that makes us kind of like we're a victim of our calendar. And I think just little things like that where we change the way that we talk about things puts us in the driver's seat and us taking ownership. And so when it comes to distraction, that's another thing where I feel like so often we will just sit there staying stuck. We'll think like, that is way too overwhelming to me. So I'm just not even going to bother to try. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to productively procrastinate. You know, our phones, they are really great at helping us to productively procrastinate. We think we're like, get a lot of stuff done. We're learning things. We're interacting with people. And actually we might just be keeping ourselves from the thing that we need to get up and do. And so I challenge people, if you are sitting there scrolling or doing something else where you just find like you're, you're trying to avoid the thing that you really should be doing, set a timer and say, I'm just going to get up. And for five minutes, I'm going to do that thing. And maybe the reason that you are avoiding it is because it feels so overwhelming. And so maybe you need to cut it down to a smaller bite-sized piece. So like I talked about, you know, our kids, when they feel so overwhelmed, brain dumping everything, but maybe it's that you have this project, like you feel like I need to, um, you know, clean out the garage and you're like, I, it's so, there's so much stuff in there and I don't even know where to start. Well, why don't you just say, I'm going to do this tiny section and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to spend five minutes. Oftentimes when I set my timer and say, I'm going to do something for five minutes, I find that I'm um, pretty soon. I'm like, eh, I could do another five minutes. I could do another, I could do 10 minutes. And you just need that momentum to get started. And that will usually then help you to keep going. I always say that feelings follow action. And so don't wait for the feelings to come. Don't wait until you feel like doing something. Just get up and do it. Start acting as if you are a person who is more organized or start acting as if you are a person who is not always latte late, but you are a person who is <laughs> maybe a little bit more on time. And so when you start acting as if, then you're like, okay, how would a person who gets places on time act? 
act. What would they do? Okay, I'm going to act as if I'm that kind of person. And the more that you just help yourself to act as if, the feelings often will follow the action. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to you know, become this most amazingly organized person, but you're probably going to be a little bit more organized than if you just sat there and were like, well, I'm just not an organized person. I'm just always late. I'm just always behind. That's just who I am. And we kind of wear it as a label that we live under and we lead with. And then pretty soon, it kind of makes us a loser. And so I just really <laughs> challenge you guys. <laughs> Stop getting stuck in these negative mindsets that are keeping us and stifling us when, you know, we get to choose. We get to choose how we talk, how we think, and so much of our success or lack of success starts in our own brain, what we tell ourselves and what we believe and what Mm. we live under. Wow. Yeah. How did you oh. look? How did you see in my garage? What, what happened? There? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing ability there. And by the way, here we go. So, I gave her the code. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, love that. You know, wow, so much to grab onto there. I really appreciate something you mentioned lightly just a little bit ago. Um, And I'm in that phase of life that it's like, whoa, how have the years gone by so fast? So you're 25 years from now, what's going to matter? That concept um, has helped me personally many times get through the clutter to do the important. So talk to me about how that came to be. What was the moment in in time that led you to think, you know what, 25 years from now? You know, as I was writing this book, I was really trying to think back to where did I kind of start getting that mindset? Because it's something that I've really thought of for a long time. I actually think about my funeral a lot, which sounds weird, but really? it's true. Wow. Um, and I have for years, not in this morbid way, but just really in this way of what is going to matter at the end of my life. I really want to spend my time investing in that. And when I was 12 years old, my grandma passed away really suddenly. She had been sick, but they just thought it was kind of, you know, some minor things. She'd been in and out of the hospital some, but they they were kind of testing for all these things that were minor and and missing the major. And that was that she actually had cancer all throughout her body, but they did not figure it out until she went into the hospital again. And I don't know what doctor decided to run some tests, but then they figured out that she was just her whole entire body was, um, she had cancer. And so she died just a few days later. Um, and it was a very, very sudden thing. We were super close with her, saw her multiple times a week. She was very, very involved in her life. And so as a 12 year old, that was really devastating. Like to have this person who was so close all of a sudden just in a few days time just pass away. And I remember it really changed the way that I thought about life because for the first time I was like, oh, like I'm not going to be here for forever. These people aren't going to be here for forever. And I really want to spend my life in a way that is going to matter. And And so I think that for me is what really started it. And like you said, when we have that view of thinking of the end of our life, it really causes us to kind of zoom out. It's like we zoom out instead of getting stuck in the weeds of something that's really disappointing, something that's really frustrating, um, something that we're just sitting there worrying about or psychoanalyzing. When we zoom out, it gives us this bigger picture of so many of those things don't really matter that much. And so I try to think of that a lot. If I'm feeling frustrated by another person or I'm feeling 
just worrying about something or I'm feeling stressed about this little thing that in the moment might feel like a really big thing to think what's going to matter in 25 years from now. And so often I'll be like, well, that definitely is not going to matter. So I can stop psychoanalyzing or trying to micromanage or um, worrying about that thing because I really want to wrap my life and my time and my energy around that. Those things that are going to matter at the end of my life. You know, I just heard it. I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm, it's just slipped my mind, but an interview with somebody recently that was very successful. And they basically said, go to a funeral every once in a while, mm-hmm. because it does make you take stock in your life and where you're at and what's really important. And you're right. We spend a lot of time on things. Does it really matter? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, people are the most important thing that matters. And that, that, that right there can help you prioritize things. It's like, what am I spending my time on here? It's just it doesn't matter at all. What <laughs> I think that's one reason Ecclesiastics is my favorite. You know, Solomon knew that. He was telling us that. Life is a vapor. Yeah. And I've had enough experiences in life to prove that. So to just experience that we're we're here and um knowing that we can make a difference really helps to get rid of the distractions. Yeah of I'm too tired to have the family over or whatever it might be that's robbing you from the experiences that the people you love will remember. Yep. So I loved that's reading good. about that. Thank you. You know, we, uh, you talked to us about that phrase that pops out of our mouth all the time. I don't have time. I don't have time to do it, which is very, I, I feel like that's a very natural phrase for most of us. And you had this realization that maybe we should stop saying that. What do you say instead? Yes. So <laughs> I think that so often we, like I talked about, we are a vic- like we feel like we're a victim of our calendar. Like we're saying, I just don't have time. I mean, I'm just too busy. Life is just too busy. I don't have time. I really challenge you to maybe not verbally say it, but internally say, I'm choosing to spend my time differently. Mm. And the reason is, is because that puts you back in the driver's seat. It gives you that personal ownership because then you're also going to think, what am I spending my time on? Like, what am I choosing to spend my time on that is different than this? And is it how I actually want to be spending my time? When you say yes to one thing, you're in essence saying no to another thing. When you say no to one thing, you're in essence saying yes to another thing. And so really paying attention to how am I investing my time? So if I say I don't have time, let's say to, um, one thing I hear from a lot of women is to read my Bible. Well, are you spending time reading things on the internet? Are you reading things on your phone? Because if you have time to read about other people's lives on Instagram, then you have time to read your book. <laughs> Get it out there. And so Ooh, I love there's amen. an app called the First Five app that it's actually when you open up your phone, it there's scripture and devotions because it's just that reminder of like, you have time to check your phone, you have time to read the Bible. And and so there's a lot of other things in our life that we can just say, like, I don't have time for friendships. Well, do you have time to keep up with people you don't really care about that you're like watching the reality TV show or something? You know, are you keeping up with people online that you don't even know? Well, maybe let's switch some of that time to actually investing in relationships with people, but also not to guilt trip people. You know, let's think of, okay, what time do you have? And so that's one thing I talk about a lot is instead of saying, I can't do that, say, what can I do? 
Maybe you don't have three hours or the ability to go out and, you know, have a date night with, um, you know, another couple, you're going to have a couple's date night, but could you invite that couple over after your kids go to bed and you have dessert or you have coffee or you have something, you know, for, for an hour, same thing with, you know, in relationships, maybe you are going to your child's sports activity every single week and it's just their practice. Could you invite a friend to come and walk with you during that time? And so just getting creative, looking at what do you have? What can you do? And let's make the most of that. Even just five minutes, there is so much that you can do in five minutes to invest in other people, whether that's sending a text, writing a quick thank you note, calling a friend in face-to-face, you know, looking at a child and just looking into their eyes and listening to them and having that conversation. Five minutes can make a big difference. And I think sometimes we discount the power of small minutes. Gretchen Rubin talks about the power of seven seconds, how just looking into someone's eyes and saying to them, you know, I love you, or how are you actually doing? Or, you know, thank you for doing that or kissing your spouse for seven seconds. Like there's a lot of power in small minutes. This book, I actually wrote it in five and 15 minute segments because that's all that I had. And so instead of being like, well, I can't write a book. There's no time to write a book. Being like, what do I have? What's in my hand that I can use? Okay. I'm going to take these five and 15 minute little sections of time that I have, and I'm going to make the most of them. And the book got written. Mm. Wow. That's, that's encouraging. You wrote a book in little five, 15 minute increments. Well, I guess if you want to write a book, get off your keister, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of writing, tell us about the chapter that you never intended to write. What's that all about? Yes. So I've kind of uh, touched on it a little bit, but so when I said yes to writing this book, I actually had a three book contract and my publisher really wanted a book on time management. And so, like I said, I kind of wrestled through that and finally was like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm going to do this. So I said yes to it. We, you always have a deadline with your writing. And so we had set the deadline. It felt very doable. Um, at that point we had our three older kids and then, um, our toddler. Um, and then we were, um, fostering David, but he was, we thought he was going to be moving to, um, this other family who was going to be adopting him. So we were kind of at the tail end. We were wrapping up things for him to then move to this other family. And, um, then, we get the text actually from them saying we're really reconsidering. And Mm. I remember thinking, okay, well, I had thought it was doable to write this book with three teens and a toddler. I wasn't expecting to have two toddlers, one who has significant needs and lots and lots of therapy and doctor's appointments. And, but I really wrapped my head around that. And I was like, okay, it's all going to work out. This is, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And then four weeks later, find out I'm expecting. And so I ended up writing this book in the middle of morning, noon, and night sickness with three teenagers and two toddlers. And it was funny because I just was like, you know what? I get to become my own case study. This book is all about not saying I don't have time and I can't do this and making the most of what you have. And so I became my own case study in this book and that the chapter that I never expected to write kind of shares that journey and then also shares how I implemented the principles in this season that was very different than what I expected and how 
when you have kind of this system of praying and prioritizing and planning and prepping, it can really help you to walk through a season of unexpected. We always uh, end our interview, Crystal, with asking one question. What brings you joy? Oh, there's so many things that bring me joy, but I would say right now, um, the gift of, I talked about the little boy that we fostered um, for eight and a half months and having him in our life. Um, it He just brings so much joy because there are many times when we thought that we might be saying goodbye to him for forever. And um, the fact that his mom is allowing us to still be involved in his life um, is just such a gift. And he is, he calls, he calls us mommy and daddy. Um, yesterday was Father's Day. He gave my husband a Father's Day card Aww. and um, we're just like kind of, uh, parental figures in his life as well, which is I've learned that little children, like the more that they can be loved, the better. Um, but he is just always like, I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. The other day he walked in and he's like, you are so pretty mommy. And it was just, <laughs> such, such a gift because we've cried so many tears over just his whole story. And just, there's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of challenges. Um, but the gift of getting to see him be three years old and so secure and his, his mom just loving him so well. I mean, that is just a huge, huge gift. And I think it's also the reminder that for so many moms, when you're you know, rocking those babies and you're up in the night with them and you're feeding the bottles or you're nursing and it's over and over and over again. And you're wondering like, does this really make a difference? And looking at him and seeing how secure and attached he is and knowing that by the grace of God, we got to play a little part of that. Like that's just so fulfilling and brings me so much joy. That's awesome. Thank you, Crystal. Crystal Payne, the time-saving mom. Check it out. And thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast heard on Family Life Radio. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.